Well, everyone, welcome back to another episode of At The Movies. Um, today we have a special episode. Um, so today it's going to be me and Brandon, but we also have the return of the famous James Faust. How are you, James? Hello. I'm good. I'm cold-ish and uh, ready to go. Right on. And uh, Je- uh, James has brought a special guest with him, uh, a colleague from the film festival world we have beth barrett from the seattle international film festival with us today how are you doing hello hello i'm great how are you i'm great i'm great and so um one thing i want to start with is you guys are both artistic directors for both the dallas international film festival and the seattle international film festival um i guess we can just probably truncate it to sif and diff yes (laughs) otherwise i'm gonna start to stumble over my words and it's gonna it's going to be bad news. Um, so yeah, uh, first thing I want to ask is like, so I'm a, I've, I've worked in the creative direction world before and I know what art directors do, but what exactly do artistic directors do for these film festivals? I'll let Beth go because she does a lot more than I do. <laughs> you say that's an excellent question that people ask me all the time. Um, so essentially what artistic directors do is um, establish the way that the organization uses film to advance its mission and then work with the people that create that vision and that mission. So in my case, we have our, you know, 18 to 25, actually I think this year we have 27 programmers for the festival that we're sort of guiding and molding in, in to keep to keep what we what we think the mission and the vision of the festival is. And then we also have five year round art house cinemas that we run all year round. And so finding the films and the events and the film, you know, the film related experiences for those venues that also move the mission forward and making sure the marketing is serving that mission and making sure that when you're working with sponsors and donors, you're serving that mission and sort of guiding what that looks like while not having to to uh work with the budget of spreadsheets right on i mean that that sounds like a dream job if i'm being honest it is kind of a dream job it, i mean honestly i watch movies for a living i mean what you yeah. know what uh what better job yeah. could it be and in better times uh one of the great parts about that gig is and especially with seattle because how, how how many years are you guys are like 25 30 47, 40, where 47. this is our 47th. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, knew, I knew it was, you know, almost as old as me. Uh, but the thing about this job is the, the fun part is and how I met Beth. Like, you, I didn't meet Beth on Native Soil. I think I first time I met Beth and I met her in Toronto. And then we've been to Belgium yeah. together. We've been to all this. It's kind of, <laughs> it's been funny. So it's, it's like finding those films from around the world. And it's, it's, that's probably one of the perks of this gig is getting to travel and, you know, see all the cool things. And especially with Seattle being such an international city and part of the, um, part of one of the charms about that is where you're located in the world in proximity to, let's say, a lot of Asian films as well, mm-hmm. uh, which I remember you had a really big, I came to a party and there was um, a lot of, I forgot <laughs> what, what, what union that was. I was like, man, this is great. China stars. China stars, yeah. I kept thinking, no one's speaking English here. Beth's got this on tap. I love this. It's like, 
So kudos to the international part of the job, because yeah, to that point, I mean, I'm doing the same things and, you know, sort of the creative identity of the festival. We don't have theaters that we run. So for me, it's you know, finding the films for our year round programming and just keeping us into the um, the forefront of everyone's minds from a film perspective. When you're thinking film in Dallas, think diff. And so we mm-hmm. try that same thing and then programming the film festival, which we have nowhere near as many film fe- film goers as uh, film programmers as Seattle does. Because one of the cool things about Seattle Film Festival and one of the very unique things about the Seattle Film, Fe- Seattle film Festival is how long in a pre-COVID world and maybe in, even in this post-COVID world, usually you're like a festival runs 10, a, a big festival like Sundance will run 10, 11 days. You guys are usually what? We have traditionally been 25 days. Wow. Yeah. That did change this year. We are April 8 to 18. So we're uh, a mere 11 days. And, uh, and I can tell you all this, mere 223 films, uh, including short films. Uh, we used to, in, in the before times, it'd be somewhere up above 400 films over those 25 days, including shorts. It's truly a citywide film festival. I mean, yeah, it's all over the place. That's incredible. Well, and that's, I mean, part of the thing with artistic directors and, you know, organizations, and I know, James, you've, you've been doing this in Dallas, is you have to get this audience to trust that they want to see the Mongolian sheep herder documentary. And, <laughs> yes. and, figure, and, and in order to do that, you have to show them amazing international films and say, no, 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 you really have to see that, see that. And years of, no, 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 see that, see that. And then they're like, oh, well, James says I need to go see this Mongolian sheep herder documentary. So I guess I'll go do How that. How many times and it's has not... he said that to me? I can't count. I know, right? It's like <laughs> every time I see him, did you see? Hey, no. Khan, did you watch it's... the Mongolian sheep herder doc? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now I really hope that there is a Mongolian sheep herder doc. Because now there and there are absolutely. I'm sure we've shown. There's a niche for everything. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, my my go-to is usually um, Albanian uh, trafficking flicks because we did we did have an Albanian film one year, and the government reached out because of whatever rules we had against Albania at the time, and they said, "What are you getting from Albania? Like, what are you talking about?" Because the filmmakers were trying to come in, and they'd submitted something, and it became an issue. I'm like, "Oh, Albania!" So that's my go-to now. Like, yeah, it's an Albanian trafficking movie that we <laughs> can't wait to show. That's all legal because we don't want to have a trade embargo with them. I think I don't know. <laughs> so Beth, you said you guys actually run five cinemas can you tell us a little this bit is one about of them, the tell us a little bit about the locations and you know because mm-hmm. you you truly are you know james and i've worked together uh, a bit um i was on the exhibitor side starting with and always wanted diff to you know screen their movies with us and then became part of dallas film and we're always looking for venues and reaching out to exhibitors but you guys actually run these venues do you own them or are they part of a foundation tell, tell us a little bit about the exhibitor side the physical part of it yeah we um we run three venues year round we own one of them we own a triplex in the uptown neighborhood called sif cinema uptown um which seats about a thousand people in three different you know 500 250 150 kind of thing um we have a the egyptian which is a 570 seat single screen house, which is beautiful, which is built in the turn of the century. It was a Masonic hall for a long time. 
And then we have the film center, which we built in 2011 on the Seattle Center campus. And that's a 93 seat jewel box of a theater. Um, and we do run all of them year round, obviously during, during festival, but um, we, you know, Seattle used to be a landmark city and there were 25 different landmark screens. Um, and now there's one, one landmark uh, theater, which is the Crest, which is all second run, mm. which has three screens. Wow. So I'm gonna talk about like before times as if they're like now times. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so, you know, between Landmark and SIF, we have really taught Seattle to watch art house films, to watch international films, to like care about documentaries and, and these, these films that weren't in your standard multiplexes. And then when the Landmarks started kind of pulling out and closing all their cinemas down, some of them became live music venues. Some of them um, became other things. One of them sadly just burned down. Uh, a couple of months ago, the Seven Gables just burned down, which was heartbreaking. Um, we started this, the Egyptian was a landmark cinema. And so we, we pulled a couple of them out of the, uh, out of the wreckage um, because the audience is still here because the audience that we had taught through these two different organizations to appreciate these films are still saying, but where can I see this film? Where can I see this film? And um, one of the interesting things that we've found with our um, multiplexes like the AMCs or the Regals is that they will, they will go second to us in terms of some of the art house titles because they'll see we're having such success, financial success with an art house title that they're like, well, we should be playing that instead of you know, a random Transformers 19 or something that is not having financial success. And so some of the higher grossing films in Seattle, um, you know, that, that aren't Harry Potter's and, and Avengers movies are actually some of those art house titles. That's really cool. So you said that the audience often will go, well, where can I see that type of movie? Mm -hmm. Where can I see that documentary, that indie film? And I feel like a lot of people right now would say, oh, well, you can find it online. You know, you go, it's streaming here, it's streaming there. You can, oh, it's VOD, it's PVOD, whatever. And so now why, why, how do you share with people why you should see it in a theater? So there's something which is weird because right now we're saying, yeah, the festival, it's all, you know, on your couch and you should sit at home and watch the festival. Um, but that's just this year, <laughs> just this year. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's something about, um, there's something about being in a cinema with humans. Jump scares are scarier. Laughs are funnier. Um, you know, creepy feelings are creepier. You know, when you think about the, you know, watching A Quiet Place, you know, in the cinemas, that was silent because mm -hmm. everybody, you know, the, the atmosphere of it was like, nobody can make any noise. Yeah, you but you're all watching have A Quiet Place at home. Exactly. It's participatory. You watch A Quiet Place at home and you're like, you're answering your phone, you're putting pause, you're getting up, you go to the bathroom, you're doing all the, you know, there's, there's something about being forced to be together for that two hours of time where it is socially not okay to look at your phone and, or to talk or to have these other like side experiences that makes everything more heightened. 
Mm-hmm. I, I that's love, the experience of being in the cinema. I love everything about what you just said. And I think we should unpack a little bit of that because there is, when we talk about going to the cinema, we talk about like, I don't think we talk enough about no distractions. Like you are okay. focused in yet there's somebody sitting next to you that you don't know. And that can be anywhere else. You'd be like, I, I'm going to just shy away. Like on an airplane, I don't mm-hmm. feel connected to the people on the airplane with me, but I feel connected to everybody in the movie theater because we're sharing the same emotion at the same time. It's mm-hmm. this permission to be vulnerable. And mm-hmm. the no distraction thing, I think is wildly important you are participating even though you are, because you're really connecting, but you're connecting on this unspoken level that you can then go talk about and share, okay, this is how I reacted. This was my view. What, what did you think happened here and why did they do that? So there, mm-hmm. there's so many of those little things and nuances. And I love that the, it's more than, it's heightened, it's scarier, it's funnier, it's more, mm-hmm. I can't wait until we, we, we talk less about the movie and more about the experience because people say, well, I've, I, it's something like, once we identify what the something like really is, and it is all of those emotional connections that we've been missing mm-hmm. out on. That's where I fall on that. But I love that everything you said about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's creating a community that you didn't know you were a part of. So I don't know what it's like for you, James, in Dallas, but, you know, we show a documentary on gardening and suddenly, I mean, well, actually, we know, we know what those communities are here, <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll just give you, say, you know, you're like, oh, I'm sitting next to, you know, the mayor, or I'm sitting next to this person that teaches grade school, or I'm sitting next to somebody that like we, our paths would never cross except with this one like chosen community of people who are interested in this kind of thing. Um, And, you know, that can be genre, people who love like late night stuff, people who love, you know, Asian films, people who love documentaries, people who are just really into Mongolian sheep herders. You know, it's like, it's, you create this single community that happens um, just that once. And it's very, it's deep and it's connective, but it's transitory. And you can carry that forward with the people you came with or stand in the lobby until we kick you out. Um, but it is, it is that it is a creation of something. It's a discovery. You're, I, you're right. Um, the discovery part when they have the audience has the trust in you as an organization, as an entity that's, Oh, these guys know what they're talking about. It's really interesting when you see who does show up right, for, to your point about the mayor struck a chord with me. I remember we did a few years ago, um, a documentary about domestic violence and I didn't know at the time, but the mayor of Dallas at the time, that was a hot topic for him. He sort of campaigned on it. Whenever something came up, he read, he was in front of all these women's groups about it. And so also we get a letter going, hey, the mayor's coming and he's bringing X amount of people. All of a sudden, okay, that's happening. And it becomes a community and almost a a social thing. And so this is incredible. Or when you do discover that there is an audience, because sometimes I will see a film that I think people just need to watch this and I'm showing this Italian soccer music violin thing I mean, and 
and it's really weird. And all of a sudden there's an Italian soccer club hanging out with an Italian club of, of, of SMU found out about the film. And also you see there's this audience. So you, it's, it's sort of a give and take and it's this reciprocal process. And when you're showing something to a crowd and somehow your, your marketing is what it is and hopefully good enough that people find out about it and you discover there is an audience. So now you're thinking, oh, there's an audience and appetite for this, this and this. So let's keep going. And it's a, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship with, you know, with the locale. So yeah, I love it. And I would just throw some love towards Seattle. I've been there probably four or five times um, at any, just once for a month back in the early 2000s and once for a few days with Beth on her jury. And then once after my wedding, uh, we went there for a year anniversary. Love that city. And it is a film city. It is scary how many people, I'm like, man, this, that's how you have a month long freaking film festival because people are coming to it and they're walking to it. And it's, you know, as I'm sitting here in a rainstorm outside our house right now, it's like, it's raining a lot and being inside is a really good place to be. I mean, what's it, 300 days of rain a year? Well, I mean, yeah, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, actually probably Dallas gets more rain like in in bulk, but but y'all get inches of rain. rain. And it'll just be sort of damp. For 300 days of the year. <laughs> so Beth, like it rained mentioned... this morning, but now it's bright and sunny and it'll rain again this afternoon. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned again going back to the, you guys operate these theaters. So how many mm-hmm. how many people do you employ year round? And then how does that ramp up for the festival? Um so I can only use the before times uh, to answer that question because um, obviously everything's different now. Uh, we had about 30 people year round uh, in the organization, in the office and another 50 people that worked in the cinemas. So concessionaires, ushers, that sort of thing. Um, and then for the festival, we bring in about a hundred people that are working in various different places um, throughout uh, just on seasonal work. And then how our virtual festival obviously has real different um, about 800 volunteers uh, because we're, we run for 25 days in no less than nine venues a day all over the city. And some of them are a week and some of them are two weeks and some of, you know, some of them are the full 25 days. Yeah, and I think that's a one yeah. we, we you know we talk about the exhibition side and the theater side on this podcast quite a bit. So I love that you got you know about that and you're you you're sensitive to that. But then because it's an important part of movie going is the behind the scenes about who's working there and that these are actually great jobs and sought out jobs. But when you're talking about film festivals and James, I'd like you to jump in on the on diff as well as there's a swell and there's an energy that builds and it doesn't just ramp up a week before the festival and go on. I mean, talk a little bit about bringing all these people together for these major citywide events. (laughs) It's a lot of work. Yeah. You said the week before the festival. So never a week before. When do you, when did you start? (laughs) That's actually the calmest week. Yeah, the calmest week is like right leading up because everything should be done by now until the fire hits. Uh, so you'll start, you know, you'll make your plan and you start taking some missions. We started, and this is going to be goofy for us. I don't know if you saw Beth, but um, Diff, we had to push our dates again. Y'all moved again. 
Yeah. 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 That. A lot of fun. A lot of fun there. Um, <laughs> your fall festival so, now. Yeah, fall festival. It's gonna be great. So when we when we move when usually during for a spring festival, when we usually are we usually start our submission sometime in uh, the late summer around August and uh, and in going to a June when we moved to a June festival, we didn't start our submissions till around a couple months later, October. And now our submissions are just going to keep going. And so the process of, okay, here's what the festival outlined for us. It's like, all right, here's the outline that we're going to do. Here's what we can do. And we start taking submissions. And then by the time you're, you know, four months out, you know, well, we're going to do all this. Well, cool. And then hopefully nothing changes in that last month and a half, but you never know something either burns down, somebody quits or your opening night film. I remember at AFI, the opening night film was announced and I remember, uh, I can't remember Rose getting a phone call. So we have a new opening night film <laughs> on literally, I think it was a week before opening night and it was a mess. And I'm thinking, oh, that sucks. So hopefully things like that don't happen, but your preparation, you're adding on staff. If we ramp up about from, uh, again, the before times, as you would say, we'd have about five to 10, yeah, about 10 people you know, running uh, full-time for a while and then uh, for the part. And then all of a sudden you're up to about 60 people for the festival. Again, we're just in like eight days. So we don't, we don't need, and we're in one to two venues at, at any given day, like only on Saturday and Sunday, we'd be in two at more than two venues at the time. And we're much more, you know, it's going to be here, but we're going to party over here. We're going to show you Dallas, but all your films are going to be in this one place. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's, an, it's a Herculean effort. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun, but there's so the minutia is ridiculous until again to best point about the week before the festival when you're just sort of hey man what's happening Can't it's all done at this point so yeah. i'm gonna put you on the spot and i don't need to you don't have to talk about the theaters that you guys are partnered with or that you own or anything but think of your worldwide international experience because y'all are both very international the your favorite theaters that you've been to around the world? Ooh. Huh. That's fascinating. The Sydney Film Festival did their screenings in the Sydney, uh, not in the Opera House, but um, it's called the State Theater. Um, it's beautiful. It's actually kind of reminds me of the Egyptian, um, it, but it's this gorgeous like 1500 person, beautiful like turn of the century um, big, deep, uh, crushed velvet seats. Um, I love that. I also love the Seattle Cinerama, which um, sadly has closed um, mm. because that was, had some of the best projection in the world. It was a true Cinerama wrapped screen, 70, 70 foot screen that could show three, um, uh, it could show uh, the actual true Cinerama, um, but uh, three strip Cinerama, but, uh, but they've closed. Um, James, do you have a favorite theater that you've been to? And uh, why is that such a good theater? Yeah, I would say because because uh, I, I wish I had my own theaters like like uh, Beth does, but for me, it, it's not as grand. It was more like the functionality of the um, Tiff Bell Lighthouse because. They, they thought of it from a film festival perspective and then a film goer's perspective. They go, wow, they thought of everything. There's actually a stage, there's lighting, mm -hmm. there's seat numbers, 
there's speakers and microphones. There's the ability to do PowerPoints if you need to. <laughs> there's all these things, yeah. and it holds. You know, I, I think I think the biggest theater there was either theater one or two might be 500 seats maybe mm -hmm. and it's just yeah, like it's, to me that's a really yeah it's a really good yeah it's a really good size and it, and it was new and it just was so well thought for a modern moviegoer and then when you walk out of the building you go oh look there's a bar right here and then there's concessions right here the one the probably the worst thing about it is there's not a lot of lobby space right in front of it like if you're not in that theater you're like there's nowhere to sit because they're all crunched together and after that i'd say I forgot what, which one it is at Cannes. It's the, it's not the Palais. I think it's the, the Debussy um, Theater, which is right next door. And I, that was my first time at Cannes. I remember walking in there going, this is pretty amazing. I'm in a theater in France and I'm up here in the balcony with my good, with Shaz. I was over at Shaz. Shaz Bennett mm -hmm. used to be an AFI director. And I'm thinking, yeah, man, this is everything right now. And again, I'm a sucker for a theater with a stage because I'm always, I love the opportunity to see the filmmaker and they have a place to stand as opposed to on the carpet in front of the screen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Love it. So, so we actually our... built, built out that stage. Um, so I was there for opening night of that like, theater. Yeah, yeah. And we built it out since then. It was an ordinary, like kind of um, skinny stage and we, we built it out more because we um, host a lot of drag shows and those queens can't be contained in small spaces. <laughs> well, that's very well thought out. So Beth, are, are moviegoers coming back in, in big waves? When is that going to happen? And what's your anticipation for SIF moving forward beyond this year when you can go in person? Right. And are all those locations that um, that SIF operates, are any of those currently open and like what capacities or, or anything? Yep. None? No, Seattle, technically we could be open at 50% capacity, um, but realistically, people are not ready. We, um, you know, King County, where Seattle is, has one of the lowest COVID transmission rates in the country because none of us leave our houses. Um, uh, and people are just not ready to go back to a cinema quite yet. AMCs, uh, the AMC in Seattle is open at 50% capacity. So people are going back, but our people, our art house and international folks, um, they are waiting until, you know, the majority of Seattle is vaccinated. Um, we've heard from, from a lot of them that they just, they, they don't feel safe unless unless it is safe. So we are keeping our fingers crossed that everything will keep going the way it goes and people get you know, vaccinations will keep rolling out and we can look at, you know, summer, or early fall. Um, well, it'll take us a couple months to get ramped back up again because, you know, we have to hire all the people back and right. we have to, you know, the, the venues have been closed and empty for a year and a half or a year now, just over a year. Um, so, you know, by that point, it'll be, you know, we'll have to put some precautions in place and that kind of thing. I honestly think that when we can get back into the cinemas and when people start feeling safe to be there, people will go back because there's, people miss going to the movies. You know, when, when you're like, I don't know, what do you want to do? Oh, let's go to the movies. I don't, you know, what do I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, wandering around, I'm kind of lost. I, I have a weird Tuesday off. What should I go? Oh, let's go to the movies. 
-hmm. you know, it's, there's something, there's something cultural and, and, and this is across the world about, about us, about society and just going to the movies. It's, it's, it's an accessible art form. It is a way to get outside yourself for a couple hours. It's, it's been, you know, it's been drilled into us for all of our lives that, you know, you go to the movies. Where do you go on your first date with someone? Well, you go to the movies. It's, there's, there's something so intrinsic about the action um, that I think people are gonna go back. Now, I also think people are going to be more um, demanding and more discerning about the VOD that they watch. Mm -hmm. Because I think we've all watched through a lot of crap on TV and it's like, oh, I heard that series was good. Maybe I'll watch two of those. Oh, I heard that was okay. I'll, I'll watch a couple of those. I actually think, you know, Netflix and, and Hulu and, and HBO and, and Disney Plus are doing a great job keeping us all entertained and that, that episodic and, and serial entertainment is really valid and that there's some amazing work being done for streaming platforms. Um, but I also think that the, the simple act of going to the movies is something so deeply intrinsically in us um, that people are gonna go back. Now, it may not be until winter that we see large groups of people. And, you know, I, and I stop cringing every time, you know, I'm watching a show on TV and I see a crowd scene and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, it was okay, it was 1985, you know, it's fine, it could happen then. Um, but yeah, I do. I think people are going to go back. I had a real quick, so I want to jump. I'm sorry. So you mentioned episodic and it's something I'm thinking about quite a bit uh, as we move into television. So do you guys ever do any one-off uh, Netflix comes to, Hey, we want to show two episodes of Orange is the New Black. Uh, do you guys ever think about doing any one-off shows like that in the theaters? Or that we, would, we would love to. Yeah, we would love to. We've asked, um, we've asked the streamers and that the, our timing has never been right. Okay. This is like a perfect fit because people are going to want to get back in the theaters and episodic is so big. I think there's definitely a merge here that needs to be mm -hmm. addressed. Uh, everybody, you know, a lot of different festivals are doing television. We're going to be doing television. I mean, we live in a city called Dallas. Don't sweat that we're not going to do a TV show called Dallas once or twice <laughs> here. So, so yeah, I just think it's, I was just wondering if you guys had gone down that path. No, we have, we have episodic shorts um, mm -hmm. that are mostly web series based. Um, but we've just never, we've never had the, the timing's never been right for any of the big streamers. Um, one of the things that I think is going to be really interesting moving forward when things are back to normal, when everything's, you know, when everything's okay again, is how film organizations and festivals are going to keep this sort of hybrid accessibility accessible. Because yeah. we have definitely heard from people that, you know, wouldn't ordinarily have been able to participate in, you know, some of our classes or some of our films that we're showing that because we're doing it virtually, they're able to participate. Um, you know, it, it could be physical accessibility. It could be, you know, that Seattle's traffic is, is so bad and you just can't get from one place to another. Um, and so how you know, as, as festivals and, and film orgs, how, do, how are we gonna think about that and plan to put the infrastructure in place going forward into 21 and 22 that keep those films um, being able to be seen? 
-hmm. And I think it's, I think it's, it's a giant question uh, for a lot of us. It's, you know, it's like, okay, so we show something in the film center for the weekend. It was a huge hit. And then, you know, but you couldn't get there. You're out of town that weekend. Well, if it went on to our SIF channel for the next couple of weeks, you could still engage with our programming and you could still engage with what we were doing. Um, or, you know, say you live in rural Washington and you're just like, I'm not driving to Seattle because it'll take nine hours. And so you can still engage with us. And so I think for a lot of us, those questions, and I think it's across arts because we have yeah. seen some success with, you know, I was talking to somebody from the, from the Pacific uh, Northwest Ballet and they're saying, you know, more people are actually seeing our programs now and we're hitting 50, you know, all 50 states. People are watching from all over the country. And how do we keep those people engaged in our programming, though we know they'll never come to our physical building? Yeah, I think there's something to this that has given film festivals and, and even other content providers the ability to reach audiences that they never would have reached. However, I still think it's important that there's some exclusivity that if you make the effort, the experience of going to the theater has to be better, whether that is a intro from the filmmaker or a Q&A okay. or a talkback or, or bonus scenes or whatever. There, there just has to be, at least while we rebuild the audiences to go back to the movie theaters, hey, James, the that we've got to offer something. And that's what I think where, where we talk about with Diff is that this is a very accessible art form. Like you can bring the filmmakers in, you can talk to them. And, and what's cool about film festivals, especially when you get like the lounges and the filmmaker, you know, we call it the filmmaker lounge, but it's open to the public and here's filmmakers walking through and you can stop down. And, and that's the interaction that I think some of that you lose with just kind of the everyday movie theaters and why film festivals become because there's this moment in time that they're that you create and it's just one after the other every film has an intro every film has a Q&A every you know every day that there's this I could I could run into a filmmaker so if I'm in the if I'm an aspiring filmmaker, actor, musician, whatever, these are the people that are doing it. Or I just think it's the art is great, that form of art, filmmaking. So I just want to be around that. The energy around filmmakers is really cool. Um, and you just, I think that's something that film festivals do really well. Beth, I think it sounds like it's something that you guys really lean into. So you know, congratulations yeah. on all your success and and running just a fantastic <laughs> festival. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it is that interaction with filmmakers that um, that is at the is at the heart of it, and it's it's the thing that you know, honestly, as we're trying to put together our virtual festival, that is the hardest. Like getting films, that's the easy part. Like we know how to talk to the distributors. We know it's fine. We can get the films. It's how do we connect the filmmakers and the audience or how do you provide that extra something special because you know, you're on your couch and you're watching on your Roku app, which is just like watching Netflix, which is just, but it's like, so what, what is that next, that next level of, of special? And, you know, so we're organizing a, a bunch of live Q and A's with 
single filmmakers and a bunch of filmmaker roundtable discussions and pre-recording some of them and putting together a SIF lounge for people, you know, people with passes to kind of go in and interact and just trying to replicate some of that feeling of being there and listening to a filmmaker or running into them in line or even running into somebody else in line and going, well, what did, what did you see? What have you liked? Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty incredible experience. I know that. Um, yeah. yeah. My, my first film festival that I ever went to, I was 18 um, and I went to the East Lansing film festival here in Michigan and, yeah, I had that exact same experience. Like I bought a pass because I just wanted to be um, involved in, I wanted basically the gamut to be like, I want to be able to go into any auditorium whenever I want and yeah, go and interact with um, these people that work in an in industry that I respect so much. Um, and yeah, I think that, um, that texture that the film festivals are able to provide of giving people access to... Um, people and and stories that make you feel more involved in the film itself is what will ultimately be I don't want to say what what saves the movie going experience I don't think it needs to be saved but I do think that you're going to start seeing um you know single exhibitors and and smaller exhibitor companies taking a page from film festivals book in order to keep their audiences engaged with what's on the screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eventizing yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're definitely doing it on a year-round, on a year-round level is like, so our, our mission is to create experiences around film that bring people together. So how do you create that experience? And how do you do it if you're showing the same film five times a day? How do you make every single one of those feel like an experience? And, you know, some of it comes down to your staff and your venue, you know, is the experience of going to an art house cinema significantly different than going to a, a multiplex? Um, some of it comes down to the feeling of supporting, an, a, you know, a nonprofit arts organization and that experience being a little bit different. Um, is it an introduction? Is it a recorded Q&A? Is, is it a live Q&A? Like, how do you, how do you set yourself apart from either the multiplex or the couch. I'll say one thing you guys did, and I'm sorry I, I went away, power's been going out today. Um, thank you, weather. Uh, it's a very simple, easy thing that you guys, and I think, uh, I think you guys did this when we worked together back at the other place, Brandon. A person coming up to the front, very simply, and introducing the film and welcoming you to the theater. That simple bit of interaction goes a long way. And I, I, I remember the first time I ever had that was at when, when I was in Seattle, oh my God, seven, eight years ago. I'm like, wait a minute, they just talked to me? That was so sweet. <laughs> All right, we're, we're, like, we're like friends here. The, oh, the manager's like, hey, or whoever. And it's funny, that's it, that bit of interaction, and it stuck with me. And I'm thinking, we should do that at everything. It was shot down, Brandon, but I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, and then it, becomes, then it becomes a little bit more logistically challenging on the operations side. It's like, well, how do you staff for introducing every film and what does that do when you've got your you know your your projection system automated so that you know you, you so that you can do it with you know with a little bit less staff and does that change it does you know does having that opportunity go away change the experience 
Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of challenges just, brought to this industry um, over the past year. For sure. We've discussed a lot of them here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so <laughs> you guys have um, yeah. the film festival this year is going to be entirely virtual, right? But do you have events yes. that are also going to be going on? Um, whether or not they're actual open to the public, but there'll be things that people can potentially tune into if they are if they have virtual tickets. If they have virtual, t- we have a, a tribute happening. Um, one of our um, local luminaries uh, will be getting an award. Um, you know, most of it is uh, we don't really have any events. We do have a Sith Lounge. It's all through Gather Town, so it's a little. It's very oh, cute. I just did that. That's that's really cool. Characters, super fun. It's so fun. Brandon, I, I have a little Mario this. person. Yeah, me it too. It's so, so fun. You just like wander around. It's just so different do. than the the Sundance one was weird where you're these like gangly aliens running around and you can run and like stop and hit. It was just like, yeah, it creeped me out. And apparently South by was very similar. Um, ours is very like, do, 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 do. <laughs> you have to like use your keyboard to move yourself around anyway so we'll have that so that people can have that sort of interaction feel um we decided not to really do any parties because zoom parties are so hard and making you can't make people participate on zoom (laughs) and if you got one person up there dancing it is not it's not a great experience for anybody so we're going to focus really on trying to interact uh, through the SIF lounge and through the live Q and A's. Well, that sounds awesome. Like, and I wish you guys like, you know, a tremendous amount of luck. Um, oh, thank so, you. <laughs> um, Fingers crossed. You know, uh, you passes are on sale right now, but tickets go on sale March 25th, correct? March, uh, yes, to the general public on the 25th. So the lineup is announced on on Wednesday, the 24th of March at 10 a.m. And then- Have you so announced the any have, films yet? We have not. Mm-hmm. You're 36 hours from announcing. Yeah, because I was about ready to ask <laughs> you, are. What, the most, <laughs> what are you most excited for? But we probably can't drop that information here, can we? But let us know so we can update <laughs> the, uh, let us know and we'll update. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'm, you know, I'm I'm actually just really excited about all of the films there's there's one film that one of my programmers has been talking about for two years i haven't seen it yet but that's the one that i um the one that i'm most excited to experience because she just keeps saying um when when are you gonna (laughs) when are you gonna put this up um i'll probably put it up tomorrow so it's probably too probably too soon we can hold it though yeah Yeah, we can hold it No, no 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 you can you can put it up so it's a film called God Exists. Her name is Petrunia. Mm-hmm. And it's um, a Eastern European title that Marina has been talking about for two years. It's one of her favorite films of the last couple of years. And she's like, did you see it yet? Did you see it yet? Did you see it yet? And I was like, <laughs> no, no, no. So I'm gonna, that's, that's the one that I, that I am not gonna miss um, during the festival. Okay. Are, you, okay. um, are you guys using Letterboxd for a bunch of, for some communication? We are, we are. So we're we're a letterboxed super user. I don't know what they're called, but it's HQ. like, yeah. Yes, that's the one. Letterboxed HQ. All of the programmers sent a list of their ten favorite films and their favorite films of the festival, and a, a, we're going to use it mostly for 
that sort of, you know, get to know you, get to know the programmers um, and, and to try to, you know, create some, create some communication and some engagement. We also have a really strong social media team um, that uh, has, we have a Cinephiles Facebook group um, that anyone can, anyone can join. Um, it's a bunch of people that really love the, really love the festival. It's been heartwarming to hear some of their stories. You know, my first time, my first sip. Here's Those what are I, always you know, the best. It really is. Those well, because everyone's like, okay, Beth, what, what's your best, you know, your sip origin story? And it's like, well, I was, I was, it was in the mid nineties. I can't remember exactly when it would have, so I moved here in 93. So it would have been 94 or five. I was, I had gone to the festival before, but I actually bought a ticket to, uh, to see To Die For because I love Nicole Kidman um, and she was going to be there. And I was like, well, I have got to have a ticket wow. to that. And it was Gus Van Sant, Nicole Kidman. And it was in this theater that's behind me, the Egyptian theater. And it was the first time I had actually really heard a well-moderated Q&A after a film and saw somebody that I really like admired. And I was like, oh that's what festivals do mm -hmm. like, oh that makes more sense now and so, now here you are and now here i am well what a, yeah, what a one of these says yeah well and i was able i was able a couple of years ago to tell gus that story um because he was here for a closing night for don't worry he won't get won't get far on foot um, awesome. now i just need to get nicole kidman here and tell her that story although i might be too nervous to speak Really, <laughs> I think you could, you'd be all right. All right, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll speak home. for you. Yeah. Any right, final thoughts from, from James or Brandon? Uh, anything else? Any other questions you have for 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 Beth here? Hey, Beth, can, congratulations! What a year it's been. Thank you. Good luck on this year's film festival. We are we are champions of you. So uh, get you. out there, well, lead the way. Most of it's most of it's available outside of uh, like all across the U.S. There's only eight films out of the 94 that are not available everywhere in the country. Just That's great. Beth is one of my favorite people on the planet. I'm so happy that you took and the James time to is do one this, of mine. This it's good well, to see you. Any friend of it's James see you too. is a friend of ours. Um, so again, uh, good luck to, the, the, to you and the, your entire team at the festival for the 47th annual 47th annual Seattle International Film Festival. Um, passes are on sale now. Tickets they go are. on sale individually on March 25th. Um, and yeah, the festival will run from April 8th till April 18th. And you can get passes and tickets at sif.net, siff.net. Yes. Everything good? All yes, that's all, that's that's all perfect. I'm not lying to anybody? Yep. Okay, good. Nope. <laughs> okay, well, again, Beth, we really, really appreciate having you here, especially yeah. taking time um, preparing for this festival and taking time out of your day to come and talk with us about that experience. We really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. I, I as you have just found out, I can talk for any time, any length of time about almost anything. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring you back with the, with the Dallas Film Festivals ramping up. Yeah, and we'll, yes, yeah. yes, yes. We'll yeah, do uh, a James on we'll the spot yeah and we're like oh fall what's just going on yeah it's crazy <laughs> well again, are, you, are you gonna stay at fall festival or are you just trying it for this just because this year tbd <laughs> tbd 
Well, All thank you again around. on the show. We really appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's we'll have to definitely to do a follow up and we'll have to hear exactly yeah. how this festival went and um, yeah. what were the challenges, what were some of the things uh, you learned and how film festivals from this point on can grow into, um, you know, something new or something bigger, something better. But until yeah, then, we absolutely. will see you at the movies. <laughs>